0: Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education brought to you by the Closed-End Fund Association. My name is Diane Merritt. Today we are joined by Tom Rosene, Head of Research Services with Lipper from Refinitiv and author of the Fund Market Insight Report, which provides in-depth monthly commentary on the closed-end fund market. We're happy to have you with us today, Tom. Thanks.
1: Thanks for uh, asking me on.
0: Tom, you recently published your report covering November. You look closely at performance, premiums and discounts, corporate activity. What overall trends are you seeing in the closed-end fund space, and how did those trends play out in November?
1: Well, investors uh, have kept uh, an eye on, uh, I'm going to call it, three major issues. First of all, we've been watching the Q3 earnings season come about. We're at the end of the Q3 earnings season, at least at the beginning of uh, December, which is what we're going to be talking about. Uh, November returns, but uh, in December, we were still talking about those numbers. About 75% of uh, those S&P 500 constituents actually beat analyst expectations. I think that was a great thing for the market. Uh, we saw a late rate cut uh, by the Fed. It's the third this year. And then also, I think the most important thing that we've all been keeping an eye on is the trade between China and the U.S. So this didn't matter whether it was closed-end funds, open-end funds, the stock market. Generally, investors were trying to stay upbeat with the Sino-American relationship problem that's been going on. And they have been recently excited, at least at the end of November, with some of the ideas that we could actually have a trade deal. Of course, I think now in December, we've seen that kind of go off and on as well. And and investors have done so much as far as the closed-in fund business is to really maybe even ignore some of those industrial, poor industrial uh, numbers we saw, and also the China GDP growth number that was lower than expected. But instead, looking towards opportunity, and this is where we're getting back to the closed-end fund world, looking for opportunity to not only get return, but also increase yield.
0: Your data breaks out closed-end funds into over 20 classifications. What classifications were the best performing of the month and which sectors struggled?
1: Well, you know, if we take a look overall, and when I was talking about having maybe you know, a good period and actually a good year, first of all, equity funds have been up about 15.53% year-to-date, and fixed income funds have been up a whopping 952 But for this month, for the month of November that we're talking about, we really saw sector equity funds add about 2.78% to their October returns. Convertible securities were up about 2.58%, and global funds were up 2.19%. And taking a look at the other side of the fence, we take a look at the, uh, if you will, the, the fixed income side. We saw loan par funds. Uh, a lot of people call those leveraged loans funds. They were about 0.63%. General bond funds did very well, 0.54%. And high yield was up 0.4%. So it was really a good month for both equity and fixed income. And at the bottom of the barrel, we saw that there was... I'm going to call either the, the dividend payers or, or, or maybe uh, you know, less risky assets. We saw Energy Master Limit Partnerships lose about 5.14%. That was the real drag on the equity side. Utility funds didn't do so well. Those are those dividend payers not doing so well. Uh, they were down 1.58%, and natural resources were down 0.98%. And at the bottom of the, for the fixed income universe, we saw emerging market debt funds actually take, a, take it on the chin down about 1.03%.
0: Is this a change in what you have seen in the previous months?
1: It is, so yes and no. So we saw the third consecutive month uh, equities actually posted plus side returns. So equity's been on a pretty good run. When we take a look at the fixed income side before the Fed uh, actually had applied their uh, third rate cut for the year, uh, we saw that uh, there was a little struggle on the fixed income side. So this is the first month in three that we've seen uh, the funds post plus side returns. And overall, as I, I was telling you, the fixed income funds actually had a 0.31% return, and people say, that's not much on a fixed income side, but remember, this is fixed income, we are talking about monthly. So if we take a look at the market prices, though, instead of NAVs, and what I was talking about before is NAV performance, a value, uh, performance, if we take a look at the market value, uh, basically, we saw 11 consecutive months of plus side performance. So there has been a dichotomy between NAV performance and market performance have been out there.
0: Closed-end funds can trade at a premium or a discount to net asset value. What were the trends in premium discount behavior?
1: Well, actually, we've seen a decline in uh, premium discount behavior as far as a lessening, and I call it a narrowing of discounts. What we saw for the month of November is fixed income funds had a uh, discount of about 6.16%. 6.16%. Uh, equities had a, a discount of 6.20%. And in contrast, we take a look at that, basically we saw that the numbers had declined considerably. If we take a look at like the, the best case scenario on the equity side, we saw domestic equity funds, they actually had been down to a discount of 2.92%. That is very low, and it's the lowest we've seen in, in some time. Last time we saw it was in about July. It was about 2.52, uh, somewhere in that area. They had a 133 basis point improvement in their uh, in their discounts or premiums in that case as well. So we have been in this decline. But let me show you, to give you an example, all uh, Closed-in funds, uh, again, came in with a median discount. I prefer to use median rather than average because the averages skew the numbers. But all medians uh, came in at about 6.17, including fixed income and equity. If we look back to December of 2018, we basically saw 11.97%. So we've almost seen a halving of discounts or uh, an improvement in premiums uh, over this, whatever, 11-month period or so.
0: How do premiums and discounts compare to their historical averages?
1: Well, exactly. By my point. So let me give you an example here of, of kind of the high and low. So, world equity is probably one of the worst groups uh, as far as uh, discounts go. When I say worst, not they're not a good thing to get into their has stayed in the minus 10, minus 11, minus 12 range for quite some time. And so when I give you the comparison of the improvement in all discounts, median discounts from 6.17 to 11.97, if we take a look at the World Equity Fund Group, they're at a 12.09% a discount right now in November 29th. I think That was the last trading day of that day anyways. We go back to uh, 8.30 2019. It was at 12.20. So we're not seeing a big move in the World Group, but in some of the domestic groups, I think we've seen a big change. And this goes back to perhaps the Sino-American trade deal. People are concerned about international. Everything was flocking towards international in, in the prior year. And people have turned attention back towards where they're seeing some growth, some good economic news, and that has been the United States. So we've seen basically domestic equity funds doing better this time around than we have in the world equity universe
0: which sectors saw the greatest improvement and the most downdraft
1: so the greatest improvement was we've seen in domestic equity funds they basically dropped 133 basis points in november and that's a big number and they, again their median discount was at 2.92 percent and if we take a look at the high yield universe on the fixed income side we saw that they had the largest degradation if you will in their discount and that was a 89 basis point decline in their median discount and again it is 89 basis points. so high yield was kind of took it on the chin this month and uh, we have been seeing that as, as people were gravitating I guess first towards high yield and then they were taking risk off their plates for quite some time uh, as they people just didn't know where the market was going and now they're tiptoeing back into the high yield but again November was not a great month for high yields
0: Tom, there has been quite a bit of corporate activity in 2019 and notably there has been an uptick in initial public offerings. What are the most important trends here and what is the impact on the closed-end fund market?
1: Well, one of the biggest things I think uh, everybody has been following this industry has been uh, watching is the proliferation of interval funds. We've in 2018 we saw about 33 new interval funds. We only saw two conventional closed-end funds come to market at that time and uh, so The fund sponsors were, I think, tired of bringing their funds out, go into immediate discount, and then have to struggle from that point on. Now, that said, I think a lot of uh, investors out there like the idea that's in discount. They can get a bigger bang for their buck. But when you talk about the syndication, I think there was a struggle. So we've seen this interval closed-end fund creation actually continue on. In 2019, we saw, though, conventional closed-end funds have nine this year so far. So that's a a tripling of what we had in uh, 2018. So there is still comfort in bringing the conventional, if you will, closed-end fund to market. But this year, we've seen interval closed-end funds add about 23 new funds to that group, including uh, all their share classes. And uh, so we're about 10 off from what we saw in 2018, but that trend certainly continues.
0: Tom, we often focus on traditional closed-end funds, but Interval Funds have been gaining interest among investors and fund sponsors. What activity are you seeing among Interval Funds?
1: So we have been watching the Interval Fund space, and like I said, that has been uh, the major draw of uh, investors' money. I, and again, I think this is, has to do with the ability to basically raise money off and on. Uh, you don't have to worry about having one particular public offering. And then, lastly, when we're taking a look at the interval funds, they still keep the idea of not having to worry about uh, liquidations mid-month. But if they're a quarterly refunder, uh, which is what most of the interval funds are, they are going to have to worry about, you know, getting cash around those redemption period times and I think that may, you know puts them at a little bit of a competitive disadvantage as far as cash drag on the portfolio. but on the flip side, it does allow them to raise money without having to put uh, if you will, uh, you know the, the trends that we're seeing right now with more rights offering, which by the way has been a big increase. Uh, in the market, but uh, it gives them the ability to raise money without having to do a rights offering each time they want to raise money. So that's what we've seen. And then again, when we take a look at the interval funds, the current count is uh, 23, conventional funds is 9, and mergers and liquidations this year, we've seen 18. So net, net, we're actually on the plus side of the fence, if you will, for mergers and liquidations and new funds. Whereas in 2018, we saw more liquidations, 40 last year versus 36 new funds, including intervals, and conventional closed-end funds.
0: What type of new interval funds have been coming to the market recently?
1: So when we take a look at it, one of the biggest trends we've seen, and, and I think people were scratching their head for a while on this, was loan participation funds with the uh, idea that we uh, were in an interest rate cutting environment. Even on the open-end fund side, we saw flows into open-end funds not do as uh, as well. In fact, they were in net redemption on the open-end fund side for the last year or so. But I think with the final third rate cut that we saw and Really, the Fed's stopping and saying, listen, we are going to now be data dependent, and we don't think that we're in such dire needs to actually do another rate cut here. I think in- investors have been looking for those opportunities, that if we get into a rising interest rate environment, that we'll see that. So we've seen quite a few loan parts come out. Uh, Again, this is uh, the leveraged loan, people will call it that. Uh, At Lipper, we call it loan participation funds. Uh, We also saw uh, several general bond funds, and we've seen real estate funds. And the last one, and and, and most of these have really been around the fixed income side, we did see several sector equity funds, principal diversified like real estate funds came out. We saw several other funds that came out that were on the sector equity side. But really, the real trend we've seen, general bond, real estate, and then loan participation.
0: Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And we want to thank you for tuning in to another CEF Insights podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website at com.